Welcome to another episode of Fear Not, the podcast that tells you why we're afraid of all the wrong things and oblivious to stuff that could kill us. Your trending fears this week? Too much screen time is making our kids stupid. Humans are dying off. U.S. birth rate hits lowest in over 30 years. Fear the power of Trump's tweets. He's making the stock market crash. Famous online butt model trolled for having a fake derriere. Barry's fear of the week, and of course our regular feature, Fear Florida. That and so much more coming up on Fear Not. Today is gonna be a good day. Don't care what anybody else say. Oh, I don't need a budget cookie to tell me the way I'm feeling. Gonna be a good day. A good day. Welcome to Fear Not. It's episode three. I'm Alonzo Bowden, here with my fear-busting co-host, Dr. Barry Glasner, the world's foremost expert on fear. Hey, Alonzo, as always, my goal is to debunk the terrible, horrible, no-good fear-mongering that we hear all the time on the news and in social media every single day. Barry, you literally wrote the book on fear, The Culture of Fear, Why Americans Are Afraid of the Wrong Things. And I wrote it because I was skeptical of the fiction that was being fed to us every day as fact. And you know what you're talking about because you're a sociologist, right? Exactly. And we're trained to dig for the truth and how people use misinformation as a way to manipulate others. And you know, I also get to tell everyone the things that they should fear. Kind of scares me just thinking about it. We also answer questions, so send us your fears. We're on Twitter at FearNotOfficial or go to FearNotOfficial.com and send us an email. While you're there, you can click subscribe to get an alert when episodes are posted or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to see Alonzo live, check out his tour schedule on his website at alonzoboden.com. Follow him on Twitter at alonzoboden, which I do. And check him out most weeks on NPR's news quiz, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. And if you want a really great read, check out Barry's book, The Culture of Fear, available at Amazon and bookstores everywhere, or follow him at barryglassner.com. Let's see what's trending in the world this week, Alonzo. Headline number one, U.S. birth rates fall to lowest levels since the 1980s. If you hate people, you are loving this story. That headline is from the Wall Street Journal, but it was everywhere. CNN, BuzzFeed, Network News. Why are all the people upset about this? Who needs more people? All right, let me explain. So this story went viral when a report came out from the National Center for Health Statistics at the CDC that said, and now this is a quote, the number of babies born in the U.S. last year fell to a 32-year low, deepening a fertility slump that is, and this is the important part here, reshaping America's future workforce. This could mean labor shortages in the future. Which is going to be all robots, so we don't need people. Yet the U.S. population has been growing every year by about a million people every single year. So in fact, the only way to explain the growth is immigration. So the truth is finally out, Alonzo. We need immigrants just to keep up with the need for a workforce. And not surprisingly, immigration dropped, guess what, in the first year of the Trump presidency. The ultimate protection, right? Use protection, build a wall. No, don't. We need them to come in and have babies. Exactly. So so why is this happening? I mean, are kids on their screens and not having sex? I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. I just thought of this. 
There is an upside to fewer babies. What's that? Fewer people in Florida. Then we don't we lose our favorite segment. Yeah, but we could do Mississippi, Louisiana, we got New Jersey. Don't worry, we can fill in a state. Remember the good old days when California was crazy? <laughs> no, Barry, what are the facts? What what's going on here? Why are people not having babies? All right. Here's some of the facts behind that headline. So people have been afraid for years about teen pregnancies, right? Yeah. Teenagers getting pregnant. Well, we've been working on that for a few decades now, and teen pregnancy has gone way down. Not good, not good, because MTV needs a show. <laughs> you understand, as teen moms looking to be on teen... No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. They have gone down by about 7%, which, except for MTV, is a good thing. And the birth rate is also down among women in their 20s. So if you look at the other side, though, women over 30, the birth rate is up, just a little bit, 1%. So part of what this means is that people are waiting longer to have kids. They're waiting longer, but they're still having kids, right? And we have immigrants coming to the country doing work. And immigrants are having kids, which really scares the racists. But it's happening. So, so Barry, lower birth rate, fear or fear not? I say fear not, Alonzo, because right now, while the birth rate is going down, We've got immigrants coming in. We've got good news with the teen pregnancy rates going down. The economy seems to be doing fine. I would worry a little bit if we cut immigration even more. All right, well, let's not build a wall. Here we go, headline number two. This may be the number one fear I get asked about, actually. The headline is, screen time creates kid Dopamine addicts with bad habits. I've heard about this. So they said that kids, they're just zombies, right? They're just looking at their screen all the time. Yeah, it's something like that. These kids are on their screens all the time. It's doing bad things to their brains. Yeah, I remember. When I was a kid, it was TV. TV was evil. It's going to melt your brain. And don't sit too close to it. So your parents told you to go outside. And you know what? You went outside and you had to play. Now you tell a kid to go outside, he's like, okay, I'll get a better signal. But look, all of that is true. And here's some of the things that this report says about kids and about screen time. It says, children's brains on screen time look a lot like children's brains on cocaine. Okay, here's my problem with that. How do they know that? Are there a group of kids on cocaine? And if there are kids on cocaine, shouldn't they be looking at taking care of them rather than looking at the screen? I'm just saying, seems like a bigger problem. I think it could be. But listen to this. The dopamine that kids get from their screen time is impairing impulse control. It's increasing the demand for instant gratification. And here's another one from the article. Kids swipe real pictures and punch books when they don't work, like a touchscreen or an iPad. Okay, first of all, I don't believe that because kids are better with technology than their parents. So this is something their parents think. Second of all, this, you know, the parents are thinking this back in the day. You know, back when I was a kid, if I wanted a close-up, I had to hold Playboy up to my face. No, it's I, are kids really swiping pictures? I don't buy it. I get the feeling, Alonzo, that you're a little bit concerned about kids on their screens one way or another. Well, I'd like to see kids moving more. We, we have a generation of fat, lazy kids. We have a league now of EA Sports where they're actually playing video games rather than playing real sports where kids run around and, and, and have physical contact in teams. So I'm worried about that, but I'm, I'm not worried. If we get to the point that you show a kid a real picture and he swipes right on it or starts hitting it wondering why it won't expand, 
then I think we have a bigger problem than screens. We got a generation of really dumb kids. Well, you know, I found an article that literally quotes a family therapist who says, the more screen time, the more addicted to screen time your child will become. So, you know, using that kind of logic, the more broccoli you eat, the more addicted you're going to get to broccoli. Okay, Barry, I don't know about addicted to broccoli, but I'll tell you what I'm worried about with these kids being hooked on their screens. First of all, they're not paying attention to anything, right? They're walking in the traffic. You're trying to do business at the counter. The kid's looking at his screen. And what's even a bigger problem, these kids think they know everything because they can look it up on their screen. They've never actually done anything. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a great quarterback. No, you're not. You've never seen a football. You've seen a simulation of a football. I'm a great driver. No, you're not. You're driving a video game. You've never driven a car. These kids are not experiencing real life. They're experiencing a safe, perfect, beautiful existence on a screen. So that's what bothers me. They think they know something, and they don't know. Is that a bad thing, though? I mean, reality out there isn't so great, is it? Reality may not be perfect, but that's the point. You live in reality. Barry, have you ever gone to a store and tried to talk to somebody who's on a screen? It's annoying at the very best. Alonzo, I hear you. I hear your concerns about screen time. I hear what all these people are saying in this article. But look, here's what you all really need to know. Fear of new technology and what it does to us, it's been around since the discovery of the printing press, which was a few years ago in the 15th century. Church leaders back then warned that rigor and knowledge would become a thing of the past because people would no longer have to study and copy the great texts. Back in the 1950s, when television caught on, imagine television, there were reports all over the place about children being glued to the screens. The chairman of the FCC, a guy named Newton Minow, this is the same Minow who the boat in Gilligan's Island was named for, by the way, (laughs) he famously called TV a vast wasteland. And he was right. Have you watched TV lately? It is a pretty vast wasteland. We got we got like two good shows and you can't find them because you got 400 channels. So I'm going to go with, yeah, he, okay, maybe he was a little early, but vast wasteland, I like that. Look, here's what one expert said back then when uh, TVs came out. Children are becoming more aggressive and irritable as a result of overstimulation, which leads to sleepless nights. Now, the same thing happened when the first iPods came out in 2001. Everyone was convinced that kids would never take out their earbuds. And, you know, that's kind of true, actually. And again, people would stop communicating with each other. Well, that's happened. People don't communicate with each other. They're wearing their AirPods, and they're standing in front of you talking, but they're not talking to you. They're talking to someone on the phone. They're talking to someone they're FaceTiming with. Remember when people walking around talking to themselves were crazy homeless people? Now it's, oh, I don't know. Everyone, But they're communicating. A child psychologist at UCLA put it exactly right. She said 21st century kids use media to connect with their friends and learn about the world, just like those of us who were children in the 20th century did. Only we used landlines and TV, and they're using the web and social media. So studies out of places like Oxford University, UNICEF, have found that even very high levels of the use of digital technology causes little or no harm. A study was published in Psychological Science, for instance, that found that very little evidence of a substantial negative association between the use of digital technology and adolescent well-being. It's just not there. So it's true that dopamine is released during screen time, but you know, 
dopamine is released during other things too. It's released when you get an award, when you see a beautiful sunrise. And I don't know anybody who wants to restrict looking at sunrises. So equating too much screen time to using cocaine is kind of like comparing being interrogated by the FBI to having sex. Both of them make your heart rate go up and you sweat. I'm not gonna say that screen time is the same as cocaine and I don't know what kind of sex you've been having that FBI agents been involved. <laughs> but I still say that these kids are, it's not the same as experiencing. Looking at a sunset on your screen is not the same as experiencing a sunset. There's a very important point here. And this is what gets lost in all this fear mongering about screen time. It's actually the kids who have too little screen time that I'm worried about. We're living in a time when three quarters of teachers assign homework that requires broadband access. And about half of US students say they don't have broadband access, all right? So I'll grant you, some kids are using their lack of tech probably as a modern version of my dog ate my homework. But the fact is tens of millions of American kids and adolescents don't have access to Wi-Fi, to computers, to software at home and in their neighborhoods. And this is serious business because it contributes to a lag in basic tech skills that are needed in the job market, never mind competing with wealthier kids for getting into college. I don't know if you're going to change my mind on screen time. As far as broadband access, yeah, this is just, but this is a different issue, right? That's an economic issue where, once again, poor kids fall behind, rural kids fall behind because they don't have access to the internet, to the broadband, to the signal. But that's different than being addicted and looking at the screen all the time, isn't it? Definitely, but the thing we need to figure out is which is which, okay? In other words, is it the case that if, the, if they got more Wi-Fi, all they'd only do, all the kinds of things everybody approves of, right? Just do your homework on your Wi-Fi. I don't think so. I think as soon as you have this tech, kids are going to do what they're going to do on the tech. And some of it's really beneficial. And certainly being able to do your homework is something everybody ought to be able to do. I don't know, Barry. More and more, you're making me sound like a 1950s Republican dad. Those kids with their fancy telephones and all that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that we need to cut back on the screen time and increase the reality. But I want to get to the real issue here if there is one. Adults use five times as much screen time as the average kid eight and under. 2.2 hours for kids under eight versus adults who use their screens for an average of 11 hours a day, which is up from 9.5 just four years ago. This isn't just a kid issue, but we always dump on kids about everything. All right, now I'm gonna give you my dad's argument on that. I'm paying the bill, I could use as much screen time as I want. When you start paying the bill, you can use as much screen. Yeah, adults are on their screen more, but, but does that include people who actually work in front of a computer? I use a computer for my work. I have to watch, I mean, look up information for the jokes that I write and so on. But hey, I'm, I'm an adult. You know, you know what else, Barry? Adults use more cocaine than kids. And I'm kind of okay with that too. Not that I'm saying it's great for adults to use cocaine, but it's far better than eight-year-olds. But you want the eight-year-olds to eat broccoli. Well, yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. I agree with parts of what you're saying, the parts about using the Internet for information, using it to do homework. And I'm not saying that kids should never be on their phones. I get it. They want to talk and text with their friends and FaceTime. I'm just saying there's a certain time, especially as a kid, put the screen down. 
Go outside, run around, play, do something. So, fear screen time? Don't fear screen time. All right, if, you, if you're if you holding me to one side or the other, I'm going to stick with fear screen time because I don't want lazy kids who haven't experienced life. And I say, get them outside, but don't fear screen time. New technology is not our enemy. We shouldn't be fearing it. If you say so, but I've seen millennials. They're the ones who grew up with tech, and they're not doing that great. <laughs> just saying. Okay, millennials, listening. That was a joke. I'm just now they're mad at me. They're going to crash my website. Headline number three was tweeted to us by at Yaya James. Trump tweets in the stock market tanks. Aren't presidents supposed to try to make the markets go up? Should I fear investing because Trump won't shut up? He's got a point. Trump tweets, I hate China, and suddenly the stock market crashes because they're worried about trade. So... You know, at Yaya James has a point, Barry. Well, okay, look, here are the facts. President Trump slammed China in an early morning tweet. He promised to slap new tariffs on almost all imported goods starting that Friday. And what happened was the Dow Jones Industrial Average immediately fell by 450 points at the opening bell. And this is what at Yaya Jones is talking about. So Trump talks and stocks tank. I mean, this is not good. Trump's breaking all the norms of what a president says about the economy. So for the last 100-plus years, presidents have uh, avoided affecting the markets unnecessarily. They've tried hard. But, you know, with Trump, all bets are off. Between the tariffs and his tweets, he seems to enjoy watching the stock market plummet. I have a theory that he's investing in puts and calls, but that's a whole other thing. But this issue cuts both ways. Trump tweeted... When the time is right, we will make a deal with China, and the market went up 113 points. But this is still the same thing. He tweets, and it affects the market, right? It affects the market, but you remember that day we were just talking about? The market ended up, it dropped, but then it ended up up a little bit. So at least so far, Alonzo, Trump's comments and his tariffs appear to affect the market, you know, for a while, sometimes a very short while, by the way, and then they go back to where to whatever normal is anymore. Right, because people realize, oh, wait, that was just Trump. It wasn't real. So so bottom line, Barry, Trump tweets, fear or fear not. Day traders, beware. Long-term investors, close your eyes and fear not the tweeting Trump. Down in Florida, we welcome you to the Sunshine State. We're kicking back and soaking up the rays every day. Florida. It's time for my favorite segment, Fear Florida. It comes to us from the Charlotte County Sheriff's Office, and they tweeted this out. A Florida woman pulled this alligator out of her pants this morning during a traffic stop after being asked the standard, do you have anything else? I think your pants is the best place to keep your alligator, but what do I know? So what really happened? Let's listen. The Charlotte County Sheriff's Office releasing these photos on Twitter after an interesting traffic stop. They say a woman pulled this one-foot alligator out of her yoga pants. I told some neighbors about it to get their take. Number one, she had to be crazy as hell. <laughs> and number two, um, you could go a lot of places with that. <laughs> oh, this is, this, this is better than any fake news. I love this. <laughs> All right, so here are some facts. A man and woman in their 20s were stopped at about 3.15 a.m. on a Monday for allegedly blowing through a stop sign. The police asked for permission to search the car, and they found 
41 three-striped turtles. Those were Adidas turtles. Those, <laughs> those were trademark Adidas turtles. Here's a, here's a thing. If you pull over a car in Florida at 3.15 in the morning, something weird's about to happen. <laughs> I think so. All right, so listen. Then what happened, though, they were asked if they had anything else. And this, this is – I love this part – then the woman proceeded to pull an alligator out of her yoga pants. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there. Yoga pants are a beautiful thing, bordering on sacred. Yoga pants, how, how do you have yoga pants loose enough to have an alligator anywhere in there? And how dumb are these people? These are the people who go to the airport and they say, did you pack your own luggage? They're like, Oh, I didn't expect that question. <laughs> Actually, I did have the neighborhood dope dealer pack my luggage. What, how do you expect to, an alligator in yoga pants? Here's what happened. The driver was given a warning for running the stop sign, and the two were cited for violating bag limits on reptiles, um, which is to say uh, they overhunted, I guess. Uh, they were also cited for possession of an endangered species. So this is a great strategy. So you run a stop sign, but then you pull an alligator out of your pants, and the cop completely forgets you ran a stop sign. You, Whoa, we got something. So I'm not worried about these people. You know why, Barry? I guarantee you this couple, just because they let this couple go, we'll see them again on a future Fear Florida. Fear Florida. Headline number four, online trolls. We hear a lot about online trolls and how they can ruin our day, even our lives. A listener sent in this question. Here it is. SSPSAS wrote this. I laughed out loud when I read about the butt model who was trolled about her butt being fake and was not happy about the disc, so she went to a plastic surgeon to have him certify that it was 100% real. It was funny till I got trolled and it ruined my relationship. I posted a picture of me and my boyfriend lounging on my bed and some guy we don't know posted that I was his F buddy. That was a total lie. It started a big fight with my boyfriend and no matter what I said to prove it wasn't true, he broke up with me. Now I'm afraid to post anymore. Should I have to fear trolls? No, you should just stop being mean to online butt models. <laughs> they got to make a living. Okay, so let's unpack this. That butt model story, it was all over the place. And, I mean, Fox News had a banner, banner headline one day that said, Instagram model enlist doctor to prove derriere is real deal. Let's listen to that clip. I think we have that clip of the plastic surgeon doing the certification. I have a natural young athletic female here who has a blessed, genetically blessed body. Her buttocks are real. So I told her, you know what? A lot of people are hating on you saying your butt's not real on IG and all that. So I'm going to certify it as a butt expert. It's real. Okay. A 19-year-old Los Angeles Instagram model who regularly shows off her backside on Instagram is trolled by comments claiming her butt is not real. Now, listen. Clearly, this is one of her valued assets. So she decides to have it certified by a well-known Beverly Hills plastic surgeon. Who, of course, would be an expert on fake butts. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I'm fine with that part, actually. I'm even fine with everyone getting a good laugh about it. And I'm going to go with this. I'm going to say that she's fine with them laughing, too, because she's probably laughing all the way to the bank with hundreds or thousands of new Twitter followers thanks to this. Yeah, see, here's the thing about this. I mean, 
She's an online butt model. She's showing her butt. I don't. Why does she care whether they think it's real or fake? If she got a million likes on her butt, she's gonna just make some money, right? Yeah, that's right. So let's talk about what I think is probably maybe some bigger issues, which is should we have a fear of trolls on social media? And there, there are a bunch of possible issues here. Should we have to fear posting on public sites? You know, do we have a right to expect people to be nice or at least be fair online? What can or should we do if someone trolls us? And if we complain, should the trolls' comments be taken down automatically? Well, here's how I see it, okay? When you post something online, my motto is don't read the comments because the comments are always going to be negative. Nobody comments to tell you how great you are unless you're an online butt model and they're like, ooh, that's a great butt. But this is a bad thing. Trolls are a bad thing when they bully kids. I mean, we've heard the stories about them bullying kids into suicide and so on. I think those are the extremes, and those are the ones that need to be reported. But the average everyday, I don't like what you post. I get that all the time. I'll post a joke. Somebody doesn't like the joke. I'll post a political opinion, a social opinion. Somebody's mad about it. You know, right now, there were, there, I posted a joke that a female comic did about abortion and this guy put down this whole thing about how the joke is funny but she's totally wrong because life begins blah 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 and I told him simply you know you know when life begins religious scholars and scientists have been working on this for years you need to be talking to them let them know you figured it out you you troll a troll you either you you laugh them off if you can't take them seriously, that's my take on it. But in terms of what our emailer said, all right, look, I'm a sociologist. I'm not a therapist. But let me just say this. If your boyfriend has more trust in a stranger on the web than in you, you got bigger problems in this relationship. It probably wasn't all that good anyway. Barry, online trolls, fear or fear not? Fear not the trolls and toughen up. People can be mean. Just deal with it. Yeah, and if you want to troll us, follow us at fearnotofficial.com. Subscribe, comment, hate. Just tell your friends about us. Hey, Barry. Every week I look forward to you telling me what you've added to your fear list. Things that we should actually fear. Why am I getting afraid just saying that? Barry, what's new on your fear list? We should fear people who fear female scientists, and I'm serious about this. Their anti-woman actions are harmful and they're discouraging young women and girls from going into a field that needs fresh minds. So here's the headline from Verge, which is a tech uh, news site that's widely read. It says, online trolls are harassing a scientist who helped take the first picture of a black hole. So after studies came out about Katie Bauman, 29-year-old who led the team of scientists who produced the first picture of a black hole, Trolls started attacking her online and claiming that the credit really goes to one of her male colleagues. You might remember that that picture, yeah, Alonzo. You yeah. remember that? She was smiling ear to ear. She was just so proud. And the picture went around, and then they started trolling her. And in what Verge described as, quote, a sexist scavenger hunt, all sorts of vicious claims were made about her. And the trolling only eased up after that male scientist that they were trying to give the credit to tweeted back, that the right-wing trolls were wrong and that they should stop 
and he called them a bunch of sexists who couldn't stand that a woman was credited with this achievement. Well, here's the thing. The, the scary thing to me is that this is real. I mean, it's one thing when you have a sci-fi movie or a superhero movie and there's a woman lead and all these guys online are like, oh, there's no way a woman could be a superhero and all that, right? But that's in their own, you know, off, like, nerd universe. But but this is actual, that people, are th these guys are actually upset because a woman scientist discovered a black hole or took the picture of the black hole and they're like, she too smart to be a woman. What year are we living in? Well, social scientists like me have done studies about attitudes by right-wing men, and they found that it makes them insecure uh, when women are elevated to higher positions. And, uh, you know, they, they lash out and they claim that women are getting advantages that they haven't actually earned. Well, the woman has a degree, right? The woman went to school, the woman worked. I'm guessing these trolls might not have advanced science degrees. I think that's probably pretty pretty, pretty <laughs> likely. Um, and somebody needs to educate them. Good luck with that, Barry. You know, she's pretty amazing, actually, Alonzo. She's only 29 years old, and look at what she's achieved. And you know, listen, this isn't just a recent online trend, this, this, this sexism stuff and this fear of women. Studies find that women and scientists have a harder time getting their work published in the top journals, which is very important in their field. They're paid less than their male peers, about 40% less in some science fields. And a study came out a couple months ago from a big research center called the Pew Research Center that found that fully half of women working in science fields have experienced gender discrimination on the job, and more than a third have faced sexual harassment at work. So this all matters because qualified young women aren't welcomed and don't feel encouraged to pursue careers in scientists. You know, I hate to say this, but everything you just said seems that it applies to any woman in any field in the workforce. The underpay, the sexual harassment, I hear women complain about this in all fields all the time. You would hope scientists would be above this, but from what you're telling me, they're not. And listen, I like what Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, said about trolls a few weeks ago in his commencement address. He gave this at Tulane University. He said, we don't build monuments to trolls, and we're not going to start now. And, you know, all of this harassment needs to stop. And in my opinion, we guys need to step up and point it out when it happens. Yeah, definitely. This, this is ridiculous. And, and I don't know guys who don't like smart women, but those who don't, hey, too bad. So, Alonzo, I think you agree with me on this one. We should fear men who fear women scientists. Yeah, I agree. And you've done it again, Barry. Whenever I talk to you on this segment, you say something that scares me. So, yes, I am scared of men who are scared of smart women. I happen to love smart women. I think smart women are great. I, I'd love for them to take over and do it all. And the men who fear them, the problem is they also tend to be violent. That's a story for another day. So we have an update on our story from last week about the NRA. Indeed, a lot's happened since the NRA had their big convention a few weeks ago in Indianapolis. Wayne LaPierre, the CEO, he loves to tell NRA members that elites are out to get them and their guns. But, you know, it turns out that while he's been trashing rich folk, he's been doing that as a way to, you know, make him more relatable to his base, he's been living like one of them. 
He's been taking jets, private jets to the Bahamas. He went on a $270,000 shopping spree for clothes at a fancy Italian men's clothing store in Beverly Hills. And you know what? He used NRA money for that. And that's on top of his total pay, which in 2015 was more than $5 million. And what's more, the eight top executives at the NRA each make more than the head of the American Red Cross. The American Red Cross, which has 10 times the revenue of the NRA, and in my humble opinion, does about 10 trillion times as much good. I'm okay with this. I am okay with this. If Wayne LaPierre is ripping off these suckers and they're giving their money to him and he's using it for private jets. Now, I don't know what Italian men's boutique in Beverly Hills sells camel, but apparently you pay extra, you get the camel. But this is good. You know, the the base, these people, when I say these people, I mean like the, not the average gun owner, but these right-wing, crazy, you know, arm-to-school teachers, the government's coming to get my guns and stuff like that. Good for them. Get ripped off by your leaders because these are the people who deny facts, who deny reality. You know how Wayne LaPierre knows what the elites are up to? He's been hanging out with them. Yeah, that'll be his story, right? I went undercover with the elites. I flew on a private jet with the elites. And his followers be, hey, that's a good idea. Let's get that some bitch more money so he can fly to con and see what them elites is watching at they fancy film festival or whatever the <laughs> hell. Good for him. Good for him. I, I never have a problem with someone conning suckers out of their money, unless I'm the sucker. Of course, we just call that taxes. I've tried to get out of it, but they don't listen to my side. That music means we're out of time, but every week, Barry and his crack research team, which is actually Barry, they dig out one final story that is so outrageous, it's just too ridiculous to be true. What do we got, Barry? This week's story went viral on Facebook, and I'm telling you, Alonzo, I was kind of buying it. You'll see why in a minute. This is from an actual newspaper clipping, and the clipping does not show what publication it's from, which... Here's a helpful hint from Dr. Barry that should always set off a mini alarm. Here's the headline. Trump IQ test results discovered in former NYMA employee's closet. The results, 73. And 100 IQ is average, right? So 73 is just above moron, which I think (laughs) has the morons nervous. They're like, wow, he was almost one of us. All right. The news clipping said that a man by the name of William Askew Jr., was cleaning out his father's home and he found IQ tests from students at the New York Military Academy, that's what the NYMA is, which is where Trump went to high school. Now, according to the article, Askew's father was the school counselor when Trump was there. Yeah, I remember this. During the presidential campaign, Trump bragged about his IQ and a supporter said that he had an IQ of 156. So according to this, yeah, he had 156. He took the test twice. They added it up. You know, if he actually had that score, that would uh, make Trump one of the highest IQs of any president ever. Which is scary, which is scary. Now, I'm not sure which version I like better. A stupid president who does really stupid things or a smart president who does really stupid things. I'm scared either way. Well, despite the plausibility of this being true, I'm afraid the article was a total fake. The picture of Mr. Askew in the article, well, that was a generic old man from a stock photo site. 
And not only was the entire article made up, the truth is nobody knows Trump's IQ. And you know what? Like his taxes, I don't think anybody ever will. Yeah. Well, I say that the 73 was a fake score. I doubt he got out of the 50s, but that's just my opinion. So, Barry, do we fear or fear not Trump's IQ and his mysterious tax returns? Fear his IQ, but let's say fear of his tax returns. What do you say for another episode? I'm with you. If you like what you heard, hell, even if you hated what you heard, hit the subscribe button and tune in every week. Give us a five-star review to help us rise on the charts. And as always, if you hear news stories that make your hair stand on end or they sound like someone is trying to fill you with fear, send them to us at fearnotofficial.com or tweet us at fearnotofficial. And we'll see if we can uh, find the truth. Let us know what you're scared of. Goodbye. Fear Not is a Stone & Company entertainment production hosted by Alonzo Bowden and Dr. Barry Glasner. Executive produced by Scott A. Stone. Produced and edited by Adam Everest. Written by Scott A. Stone, Barry Glasner, and Adam Everest. Alonzo writes stuff too. Don't believe him. Our sound engineer is David I. Legal Beagles, Loeb and Loeb. Crack accountants are 10 key accounting. Special thanks to Gary Brown, Betsy Amster, and Adam's imaginary girlfriend.